Welcome back to Bible Love. Today, the 14th of December, is the feast day of John of the Cross. So here's the collect for his day. Let us pray. Judge eternal throned in splendor, who gave John of the Cross strength of purpose and faith that sustained him, even through the dark night of the soul. Shed your light on all who love you, in unity with Jesus Christ, our Savior, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Bible Love. Y'all are in for a treat. The Reverend Cameron Nations is with us, who is the rector um, in, uh, oh, God, just totally Round Rock, Texas. <laughs> St. Richard's in Round <laughs> Rock. Yeah. I, had, I served there for two years. Um, and you know what I just thought about, y'all? This is kind of funny. So on this screen that you're looking at, you got a Seminary of the Southwest graduate, Austin, Texas, right here. You got a Virginia theological graduate, Allen. You got a Suwannee graduate, Cameron. And these two live in Texas, and I don't, but I was the one That's that was here. So um, I'm so glad to have you. Cameron and I were friends in Alabama, and now he is with Allen in the Diocese of Texas. And I actually did my field at, at Cameron's church before he was the rector. So lots of connections and just so pleased to have you. And today we're going to talk about Ezekiel. And you kind of have a little special love for Ezekiel, right, Cameron? So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. that story of why you're, why you're loving on Ezekiel right now. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you all for having me on here. This is a lot of fun and it's uh, great to reconnect. And um, I will say, Mary Balfour, your legacy still looms large here at St. Richard's. People still... Hey, what can I say? Everywhere yeah. I go, the people you left. Left a mark. <laughs> yeah, we have... Uh, so we have two... We're very blessed to have two seminarians with us right now. And... Um, oh. There, St. Richard's is very proud of all of its seminarians. So St. Richard's is an awesome place to do your field ad. So any seminary of the Southwest folks out there, I highly recommend St. Richard's. Hey, I'll take that. I like the plug. We'll go with it. Yes. Um, So yeah, so Ezekiel, we, I do have a, I I like how you say a special love. I'm loving on Ezekiel right now, but um, we, uh, so we've been going through a study on Ezekiel all fall. We started back in August at St. Richard's. And that kind of happened by accident a little bit. We um, back in the spring, uh, we had been doing a a sort of format on Sunday mornings where we would take a theological topic that that was brought up out of the day's lectionary reading. So not looking at the readings themselves so much, but you know, um, like for instance, we had John chapter three one Sunday, um, and we talked about theologies of salvation, right? And that was kind of what we discussed. But I wanted to do something that was a little more um, biblically rooted in the fall, and I thought about doing a study on Acts, because I just thought, Acts is good, let's talk about it. But Acts also just felt like what everybody always talks about, you know? And over the course of the spring, we just kept referencing Ezekiel for reasons that I cannot really explain to you, and I thought, you know, it'd be great, let's just do Ezekiel. No one talks about the prophets enough. Um, and Ezekiel is incredibly weird as a book. It's got a lot of weird stuff in it. And um, 
And anytime the prophets really appear in the lectionary, which is not all that frequently, but when they do, they tend to be in service of some other thing. Like right now, right, we're in Advent. We've had these readings from Isaiah. They're beautiful readings, some of the best. Um, well, I shouldn't say best, my favorite. So my favorite passages in Isaiah. And um, these beautiful readings, uh, but they're all, you know, we're all thinking about Christmas, right? We're all thinking about baby Jesus. We're all thinking about that. And when Ezekiel appears, which is very literally few and far between, um, we typically get the Valley of the Dry Bones, which is, you know, objectively one of the coolest readings in scripture, one of my personal favorites. But that too comes always in the context of Easter, right? And um, and so we miss out on huge, huge swaths of uh, the writings of the prophets. Like Ezekiel is a really long book as we're discovering as we are going through it. Um, we're only uh, about halfway through and we we skimmed over some sections to kind of get ourselves moving along. Um, so we'll pick it back up after the new year. We press pause to do a little thing on prayer in Advent, but we have been walking through Ezekiel each Sunday this fall, and it's been really interesting and really rich and rewarding and uh, very eye-opening, I think, for a lot of folks. Um, so glad you're doing that, Cameron, because you're right. It's not something that we think about, um, a, a book of the Bible we think about a lot. I, we did um, this fall something on um, Ecclesiastes, and I think it was just kind of like, what? We don't even talk <laughs> about that one, you know, or if we do, it's the song, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but one question I had for you, it is weird, but in it, a weird book of the Bible, and I think that, and I think Alan thinks that, and you think that, but kind of tell us why you think it is sort of a weird book of the Bible. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's a number of reasons. I think the main one really is just that a good portion of it are these visions, right, that Ezekiel's having. And y'all talked about this a little bit in the first uh, episode that was foregrounding the discussion about Ezekiel. But these visions are wild, right? And they're even wild to Ezekiel. Like one of the things that I appreciate about it is even Ezekiel is not really sure exactly what he's seeing or what's going on. And so one of the interesting things I've noticed about doing Ezekiel in the context of a discussion-based parish Bible study, because it really is discussion-based. I don't have much in the way of lesson notes or plans each week. We just come in, we take a passage, and we dive in. Um and one of the things that I've noticed about it that's been really cool is because these visions are so wild and because it's so, I mean, frankly, weird at times, right? Yeah. Like there's wheels that seem to be on fire and there's all that, you know, like all this sort of stuff's going on. Um, you know, there's a, it, it's, it's been a nice inoculation against people looking to me to have the answers, oh. like, right? Because initially folks would look to me and they'd be like, well, what does this mean? And I would be like, I don't know, honestly. And I'm not sure Ezekiel is really sure either in some of these cases. And so what it's done is I've noticed over the course of the fall that people have gained a greater and greater degree of comfort in just kind of throwing stuff out there and be like, well, could it mean this? Is God saying this? Is this what is going on here? Because I think there's um, less of a feeling or a fear that they're going to be wrong about it. Right. You know, about what's going no on. No right or wrong answers. I love yeah. that. So that weirdness actually has pastorally been helpful, I think, in helping open, you know, open up a a, a way of reading the Bible for us, um, which has been fun. But yeah, I mean, the visions are a big thing. And it's not only the visions, but especially in this first part of Ezekiel that we're talking about today, chapters one through 14, 
um, you get these like we've been referring to them as the prophetic performance art um, that Ezekiel does where like God, um, he gives Ezekiel visions and that you get Ezekiel's call story, some visions with that. And then um, and then God says to Ezekiel, you're going to go and do the, these things. Um, one of them is like, you're going to build a little model of Jerusalem and you're going to lay siege to it. And you're going to, you know, um, or you're going to take your sword and you're going to cut all your hair off and you're going to scatter some of it and you're going to burn some of it. And you're going to, you know, like all of these things that are um, weird, right? They're sort of alarming in a way, upsetting. This is sort of performance art kind of thing. And, um, and so, you know, the visions combined with that kind of stuff also just combined with the fact that the bulk of at least the middle section, um, from really where we pick up today all the way, I mean, you got to go pretty far, like into the chapter thirties before you, um, start to pull away from just judgment and judgment and judgment and death and death and death and desolation and desolation and desolation. Right. And so, when I say it's weird in that way, I mean that we tend to want to find the passages of Scripture which are nice and comforting, right? And are, um, you know, or or that are like one one easy reframing away from contextualizing into our own experience, you know. And Ezekiel just is hard to do that with sometimes because of of uh, what's there on the page, but it's been really fruitful to wrestle with. So. Yeah, I love that. I mean. You know, this a lot of the first part of um, of this book. It talks about these the visions and Ezekiel's call and stuff. And I think to myself, oh my God, I think I'd be arrested if, like, oh, yeah, <laughs> if, yes. if like yeah. God called me in these ways and I went and do these. They'd be like putting me into the mental institution, right? Because yes. it's 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 deep. It's harsh. Yeah. It's yes. Harsh. It's strange. And I love what you said. And we did talk about this a little bit earlier or last week. Cameron and Alan and I do not have every answer, nor do we want to have every answer. So I love how you're engaging your parishioners in that way and that it's okay not to have a right answer. I was at our St. Nicholas party last week, y'all, and a three-year-old walked up to me and said, who made God? And I was (laughs) like, oh, yeah. <laughs> how? First of all, I'm not sure I know how to even explain that. And second of all, how do I explain that to a three year old? You know. Yes. yes. And so that authority is put on us mm-hmm. often. And so it's so refreshing that Ezekiel, a prophet that God called, the answers are not all there. Yes. And they, they were even strange for him. Mm-hmm. You know. A lot of this, he says that. You yeah. Know, over and over. So. Yeah. um and then there's all this death and sadness and tragedy, which a lot of times we don't like, but it also like helps us focus that sometimes the world is this way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of really beautiful and profound conversations about, <clears throat> about human pain and about where God is in the midst of that. And um, I mean, even thinking about this was touched on a little bit in the in the first episode, but there's this very famous part of Ezekiel's call story where God gives Ezekiel the scroll, right, and um, commands him to eat the scroll. And of course, what is written on the scroll is the woe and the lamentation and the the grief of God's people. And then Ezekiel is meant to eat that. And we had this this beautiful um, conversation around. You know, that this is actually what God sees fit to use to prepare Ezekiel for what he's about to do. Is that, you know, 
it, profits are always reluctant. Um, they, they don't ever want to do it. This is like pretty typical of call stories, right? They come up with every excuse. Moses is like the, the, the first <laughs> in some ways. Well, I guess Abraham kind of, but Moses, uh, very famously at the burning bush, you know, he had every excuse why he couldn't do what God was telling him to do. And Ezekiel's no different in some ways. He's a little bit reluctant. And, um, but God says, one, the people are not really going to listen to you. So you need to just know that right off the bat. They're not going to want to hear you. They're, they're hard headed, but don't worry. I'm going to make you even more hard headed. So that's fine. And then the other thing that he does to kind of prep Ezekiel is give him this scroll. And so we talked about what does it mean that, Ezekiel literally has to digest and metabolize the pain of the people that he is going, which are his people. I mean, he's not like he's separate from them, you know. I mean, he himself is in exile. And so it just, this idea of of having to metabolize the grief and the pain before you can go and say the hard thing um, led to this really beautiful discussion. And um, and there have been so many pieces Throughout uh, throughout our time diving into Ezekiel, where we've talked a lot about that, um, even those uh, prophetic performance art things, you know, I mean, Ezekiel is bearing the pain of the people on his body in a very physical way. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, so I do I do think there's I a lot. I relate to that and not yeah. the eating of the, <laughs> not eating paper, but, and I'm sure y'all do too. <laughs> You know, and it, it, you don't have to be a priest to feel this. Like just in human nature, when people are hurting, mm-hmm. we are hurting, you know. And I say this every holiday season. People get sick in December in a way that they do not get sick the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that's about. But, of course, I've already done two funerals. I'm like waiting for the third. You know, it's so sad, you know, but I, yeah. I feel this like intenseness. Mm. When they're hurting and whether it's an, a, a physical illness or a mental illness or whatever that may be. And then on the other side of this, just to give it a little hope. So this past Saturday, um, I had the joy and the privilege of being in an ordination. And it had been a while since I'd been to an ordination of the priesthood and mine was 10 years ago. So you mm. kind of forget, you know, and so this was, um, uh, someone we sent from our parish and he was ordained a priest in Washington, DC. And I was right there by him, you know, when all the priests gather and put their hands and I was right there by him and we're, we're praying for the Holy spirit to come. And he is just bawling, crying mm. y'all just bawling. Cause he feels that spirit and that love around him And then, of course, all the priests around him start bawling, crying, because, right, because we take that on, like Ezekiel did. We take that good and that bad and all of it. Fortunately, I had some Kleenex in my my vestments, and I put them (laughs) in his hand. But, I mean, it was just so intense, you know, that Mm -hmm. feeling of you've been chosen, not just to be a priest, but chosen to do anything, right, to Mm -hmm. be a servant of God, you know. Um, and I don't think we celebrate that quite enough in the ways that we should. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, so you, you mentioned there the the idea of hope. And I, I kept having to promise folks uh, over the... Tell us some hope, Cameron. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, don't worry. <laughs> it does make a turn eventually. <laughs> like, yeah. It'll take a while, but we do eventually pivot. Um, and, uh, but you know... It, 
but even that though too i mean you in life sometimes we can feel like we are really down in that desert place for a very long time and um and that the thing that seems in short supply is the hope and the thing that doesn't seem in short supply is the judgment and the woe and the mourning and the lament you know i mean some seasons of life are kind of like that I mean, I think about even at the tail end of, I think it's, oh man, I really should have done my homework before I got on, but I, I think it's Ezekiel chapter 10 is when Ezekiel has this vision of God's spirit leaving the temple, sort of right at the end of the section that we're mm-hmm. discussing principally today. And um, and not only is that such a rich and theologically important vision in the context of Ezekiel, but again, I mean... I I don't think there was a person around the table that Sunday morning when we were talking about this that hadn't experienced a time in their life where they felt that God had left the building. Yeah. You know, and what what does that mean when God's spirit fe- it seems to have left and you know and um so there is even in a book that uh seems at times as weird as Ezekiel there is just this deeply I think resonant piece of human experience within yeah. it. Um, uh, yeah, because it, it is, it's it's so much. And not only strains the, uh, strains the bounds of human language, you know, I mean, y'all talked about this a little bit last time to describe God. I mean, Ezekiel is like struggling to describe what it is he's seeing, beholding, looking at, and how many of us have been there, right, where we struggle to describe and articulate God's presence in some way. Um but also just how intensely sensory, especially this first part of Ezekiel really is. Um, not just the visions that he's having where he's seeing things, he's smelling things, there's fire, there's, I mean, he describes a lot using the image of like jewels, like just it almost seems overwhelming in every way. But also, again, this prophetic performance art thing where he's doing things with and in his body that... Um, are mediating God's prophetic word to to the people, and so there's also just this um, that that sensory aspect to Ezekiel that to me is very helpful to bring it all back to lived experience and not keep it all in our heads. You know, because yeah. sometimes when we read the Bible, we want it to be an intellectual exercise, and once again, like Ezekiel doesn't let you do that because it is so physical. You know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in grandmother's Bible, which has pictures. So oh, that's good. I need that Bible. Ezekiel, like, like literally crouched down, right? And mm-hmm. and the heading is Ezekiel will be unable to talk because he is like physically feeling all this. And and I picture this like I hope everybody can see this, but I picture this like just I can't even move, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm encompassing all this. All right, let's get Alan in here. Alan, what are you thinking? No, um, you know this last bit has me think. You know, we. Uh, today, everything is words, written words, spoken words, even at church, right? Like we read the scripture, we have the sermon, all of that. Ezekiel, like it's performance art, but but how many times when God shows up in the Hebrew scriptures, is it in a flame? Is it in wind? Is it in, you know, something that we can't put words to? And I think Ezekiel's here proof that even the prophets— they're not always eloquent speakers. Moses pointed that out. Um, but how do they, like you said, mediate God's presence to us? Sometimes words completely fail. And so it just has to be some big scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
There's know. one part I wanted to ask about if y'all had talked about this, um, Cameron, in chapter seven, the heading is punishment for Israel's sins. This is in the good news mm-hmm. Bible. And so either one of y'all tell me what you think. I mean, because that feels harsh, right? God is punishing them for these, for these sins, you know, I mean, again, we don't have all the answers. And I'm sure some of your parishioners ask that question, you know, what God punishes us? Because that is so against what we believe. We we believe God loves us for exactly who we are and all of those things. Um, not that I expect you to have the answer. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, Um that's a really good question. We have we have talked about that. Before we get too far away though from the um <clears throat> pardon me, the uh the the physicality and the body stuff, um I just want to give a shout out. I took a class. Um I've been finishing up my doctor ministry and preaching. Um and I took a class a couple of summers ago that really changed my whole perspective on this that was on prophecy in the body and it was taught by um the Duke Old Testament professor um Anathea Portier Young, who is fabulous. And, um, oh man, just incredible class. But she has recently written on this very thing about the embodied nature of prophecy. So I want to give a shout out to that. It's like if someone's looking for a resource or yeah, is right. interested in learning more. And she's got, she's a very engaging lecturer and there's a lot of stuff on YouTube you can easily find. We'll link um, it in the show notes. That's Yeah, awesome. that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, so so this idea of God punishing, yeah, because a lot of the subject headings in Ezekiel are very ominous. Like yes. the day of judgment is here. Judgment is exact. You are in you. trouble. Yeah, that's right. Yes, <laughs> it is bad. This is very bad. And um, we yes, so we have talked about this, you know. And and one of the things that we discussed, and I'm not sure if this exactly answers you, the the question. But I think it gets at at least the like the nature of the prophet and the relationship of the prophet to God's punishment or to consequence for actions, right? I think one of the reasons uh, that prophets often are not listened to is because oftentimes prophets hold up a mirror in a way that is extremely uncomfortable, mm. right? So if we think about what is happening to Israel at this time— they're actually like being conquered. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I could imagine that if you are someone in Jerusalem as it is being besieged, you are probably like, it is their fault, right? This is their fault. And you wouldn't kind of be wrong, right? Because they are, you know, Babylon is, is coming after you. Right. But what Ezekiel is doing, and <clears throat> and uh, and this uh, and other prophets do this as well, is they say, okay, but before we do that, let us stop a second and see what we may have done mm-hmm. to have brought this about. They don't sort of allow that easy get out of jail free card because it's very easy to point at an enemy and to just focus on that, right? Uh, and and so I think, you know, one of the things that we talked about when we got to these um, passages about all of this being punishment for Israel is one, how does that, again, how does that strike us? Because we don't like to think of God <clears throat> as punishing us. But also, why is Ezekiel, why is this the message that Ezekiel needs to mediate? You know, mm. what is it that, what is it that needs to be reformed in the hearts and minds of God's people? Um, and anyway, and the prophets don't let you off the hook in, in, in asking that question, you know? 
I like that because I think sometimes we do want to get off the hook, right? And yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of preachers y'all are. I'm sure you're amazing. But a lot of times I'm just like, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. And it is true. And I live oh, yeah. that. And that is what I believe to my core. But I do think there has to be accountability sometimes. It doesn't give us free will to go do whatever the heck we want to do. And that's why we have the confession of sin every week. That's why we acknowledge that we are sinners and that there is things that we need to go to God to. And I love that the prophets do that, that they're like, okay, you are loved. You're very loved. But you also need to be a good human. You need to love God's people. You need to love God. You need to act right. You know, all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not act like complete lunatics, you know? And yeah. That's a good thing we can learn from our prophets, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, and very recently, uh, we actually, well, it, I think it may have been Christ the King. Uh, Ezekiel popped up in the lectionary. It's like a rare Ezekiel sighting uh, very recently. <clears throat> and the rare ex- Ezekiel sighting. I yeah, love. out in the wild, in the wild of the lectionary. And I, um, so of course, like I had to preach on it because we've been doing this. Sure. Yeah. And I sort of made a joke about it because the, the passage, <clears throat> I think it was like from Ezekiel 35 or something, um, something like that. It was in the 30s. And the passage is this beautiful uh, image of God telling uh, his people that he's, he is going to come and be their, their true shepherd and he is going to provide for them and there will be, you know, richness and provision in the land and all this sort of stuff. And it is beautiful and it is good and it does mark this kind of turning in the book of Ezekiel. But for us who had been stuck in the judgment for about, I don't know, eight weeks, we were like, okay, but we're leaving out a lot here, right? And so I think it is this both and that we can't push aside the absolutely fundamental and elemental truth that God does love us and love us more deeply than we could ever know. And that God, you know, is there as as this shepherd who is caring for us and pastoring us and, and loving us. And also, uh, it is also true, though, that we can't use that as a get out of jail free card to not deal with our own stuff. And as you said, Mary Balfour, we got to act right, you know, <laughs> and, and it's, act it's, right. it's a both and, you know, it's both. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's, I, I really appreciate you like bringing some light to this um, because again, I, I, these, these books of the Bible sometimes, and this is something Alan and I are so committed to is the good, the bad, the ugly, all the hard stuff that's in there, but they can really, because they don't come up in our lectionary all the time, mm-hmm. they can really get bypassed. And there's so much to learn from them. Mm-hmm. I have really enjoyed digging back into this stuff because seminary feels like a long time ago, you know, and really thinking about it and how does it, apply to our lives, which it does. It always does, you know, and Mm -hmm. I love that you and your parishioners like jumped into something hard, you know, and not just the fluffy Jesus loves you um, stuff, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. It's very, very true. Yes. So Cameron, I mean, you're not going to believe this, but our time is about up. Any parting words that we have got to know about Ezekiel? Oh man. Oh, there's so much. I mean, I would, the parting word would be just like, read it, like truly go and read it. Right. Um, And read it and keep plowing through. Even when you read a chapter where you're like, oh, wow, you know, that this sounds pretty bad. Um, And it is right. I mean, the stuff that's being described in there is, is really bad. 
it's uh, the besieging of a city, it's the killing of people, it's the it's famine, it's, you know, it's displacement and dispossession. I mean, it is very serious and hard and bad stuff. Um, but keep pushing through, though. Keep pushing through. And um, and uh, and I just, I do think it is rich and rewarding. And um, And I guess the last thing I'll say is that in those hardest parts of Ezekiel, which we're really in this first portion, once you get past the call narrative, we really start in on that, you know, God leaves the temple and then we're, you know, we're really into the judgment for a long time and the desolation. But one of the things that struck me when I was preparing one Sunday is the way that some of the language and some of these visions, um, the hard, hard language resonated with people I had sat with at a bedside, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and the way that people describe the experience of dealing with just incredible disease, you know, and things that just ravage their body. And, um, but also that it's from those very same people that I've often heard the most robust and life-giving articulation of Christian joy that I could ever have, you know, been witness to. And I just think that that, I don't know, that that is that's Ezekiel. Like that's the prophets, you know, that's, that's what's going on in there. And, um, anyway, so that's the last thing I guess I would say, but it's been great talking with y'all today. Thank I love you so it. much. Um, yeah. Cameron, honestly, for sharing and giving and, um, miss you St. Richard, Drown Rock. Give them all my love. Okay. Yeah, we, we love you. Well. Okay. And listeners as always, remember we love you, but most importantly, God does. Yeah.